Welcome, everyone. We're so glad that you're with us today. Smyrna Campus, we love you guys. We're glad that you are with us today. Uh, anybody connecting with us online, we still want to do a good job of providing these services online because we know not everyone can be with us in person right now. And we want to be able to still be uh, connecting with you and have you connecting with us and with each other as a part of the church family here. There was a lady who sent an article into her local newspaper. It was a, kind of like an editorial that she wrote, uh, and she titled it High School Reunion, uh, and she wrote this, and maybe you can relate to this, identify with this. She said, have you ever been guilty of looking at someone your own age and thinking, surely I can't look that old? Well, you'll love this one. My name is Alice Smith, and I was sitting in the waiting room for my first appointment with a new dentist. I noticed the diploma which showed his full name. Suddenly, I remembered a tall, handsome, dark-haired boy with the same name who had been in my high school class some 40-odd years ago. Could this be the same guy that I had a secret crush on way back then? Upon seeing him, however, I quickly discarded any such thought. This balding, gray-haired man with a deeply lined face was way too old to have been my classmate. After he examined my teeth, I asked him if he had attended Morgan Park High School. Yes, I did. I'm a Mustang. He beamed with pride. What, when did you graduate, I asked. He said, in 1969. Why do you ask? She said, well, you were in my class, I exclaimed. He looked at me closely. Then that ugly, old, bald, wrinkled, fat, gray, decrepit son of a gun asked, what did you teach? <laughs> having just celebrated a birthday yesterday thank you all for your kind birthday greetings and and expressions of kindness i appreciate that very much i gotta tell you though i'm all for birthdays and i'm thankful for every single one that's a privilege not afforded to everybody uh, every year so i'm grateful for everyone i get and, and i want to remind you again I, i've said it over and over again studies have shown that having birthdays is really good for your health well, what the studies indicate is the people who have the most live the longest. So let's, uh, let's be thankful for every single one. Well, we're in a series called Navigating the New Normal. And we're looking at the book of Philippians. You could be turning with us today. Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. I'm going to pick up with verse 12 there, Philippians chapter 3. But in this series, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi, and Paul is experiencing a new normal for him. It's totally different than what he was used to. He is now, instead of being able to travel as he had been doing and, and help uh, strengthen churches and, and plant churches all over the world, now he's under arrest, uh, confined to being uh, under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard 24-7, and he's having to deal with that, and in this letter, he still emphasizes joy and rejoicing. So I thought, what a great time for us to learn from the Apostle Paul. With our new normal, with the restrictions that we're facing and uh, struggles we're having with all of what's going on in the world, we can learn a lot from Paul. And so in this series, when we get to this part of the letter, he talks about the idea, the, the concept is being dealt with of maturing as Christ followers. And, and the way he presents the maturation process is that it is an ongoing process. God never intended for us to stay immature as Christ followers. 
He wants us to grow up. And you've heard the old saying, you can't help getting old, but you can remain immature forever. You see, you're going to get older. The question is, are you really going to grow up? Are you really going to mature? I hear people say all the time, I'm not going to that church anymore. Uh, I've been going a long time and I'm not going anymore because I don't feel like I'm being fed there. Now, let me ask you something. If you had a child that as a baby you fed, of course, because the baby can't feed himself. But at some point, what do you expect that child to start doing? Feeding themselves. Why? Because they're supposed to grow up and mature and learn to do things for themselves. You shouldn't expect to be fed the rest of your life without you doing your part to feed yourself. And you, can't, you cannot be adequately fed one time a week at a service on Sunday morning. You got to grow up. You got to do better than that if you really want to mature as a Christian. You have to learn to feed yourself and grow up and mature. Do those things that come with growing up as a Christian on a daily basis, not just once a week on Sundays. So when it comes to maturing, I think growing older, especially in our minds, we make two common mistakes. One is we deny the aging process. There is a huge industry in the world that helps people slow down or hide the aging process. Even on social media now, I see some of you on social media and I don't recognize your picture. You know why? It's either an old picture or you use all these filters to make yourself look younger and more vibrant and healthier and all of that uh, that makes you, you think look better. But it doesn't even look like you sometimes. Why? Because we are trying to live in denial that we're even getting older. Remember, it's a privilege. You shouldn't deny it. You shouldn't fight it. Now, don't get me wrong. It's good to try to stay healthy and take care of yourself. Those are good things, but, but be thankful for the aging process. It's a good thing. And the second mistake we often make is we have this attempt to escape responsibility. This is a relatively new phenomenon. We don't think it is because it's been around our whole lives. It's the idea of retirement. In the American culture, we've got it in our heads that the goal is to get to the place where we can retire and just take it easy and do nothing. We want to get out of responsibility. We want to get out of having to get up and go and do things every day. And friends, what I want you to understand is, is that's counter-scriptural. In fact, it's counter-creation. If you go back and look in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve, when God created them, he put them in the garden, right? The Garden of Eden. And we often refer to that as it's like paradise, right? It was a beautiful place. It was amazing. Nothing bad was there. But you know what he put them there to do? Work. It says they were there to tend the garden. We think paradise is not working anymore. God created paradise where we continue to work. We take care of things. We serve. Let's stop thinking that the ultimate goal for us as Christ followers is to get to the place where we don't have to do anything anymore. I hear this all the time in church. Well, I did my time. It's time for the young people to step up and do their part. It may be time for you to change what you're doing, but you need to keep doing. You need to keep serving. You need to keep investing in the work of the kingdom. That's God's plan. 
I saw this commercial, uh, not a commercial, I saw this as a, a post on Facebook. It was a meme, I think, originally, uh, and I've seen it several times. It says the average life expectancy now in America is 78 years, while the average retirement age is 67. So we work 50 years just to be free for 11 years. Does that sound like a fair deal? And I'm thinking to myself, why didn't you enjoy the other 50 years of work? Why do you think you have to wait till you retire from your job to enjoy life and have a fulfilling, fun life? That, that's wrong thinking. You're wasting so much of your life if that's the approach that you're taking. Just waiting for that time you can stop doing stuff as if that's going to make your life good. Here's what studies have shown. If you do retire and actually stop and pull away from all that stuff, you die quicker than if you stay actively involved in serving and being busy with things. You have more health problems. You have more emotional problems, psychological problems. When you get out of all of that stuff that you think you don't need to be doing anymore. Again, it doesn't mean you do the same thing, but it means you stay busy serving as a Christ follower. So today in this passage, we're going to look at the fulfillment of how God designed things to work for us, even in our new normal, how this needs to work. I want to begin with uh, three essentials for a meaningful life. I just wanted to introduce this because both uh, secular studies and and Christian studies have shown these three things are needed. These are essentials if you want to have a meaningful life. These three things have to be part of it. And again, whether it was a secular study or a Christian-based study, it came up with these same three things, or at least some wording of these three things, okay? The first one is you need someone to love if you're going to have a meaningful life. You need someone to love. I want you to see how these tie in with what Christ teaches, with what God teaches us in his word. Now, notice it didn't say someone to love you. That's not what the study showed us. It's nice to have somebody to love you, but what you need for a meaningful life is someone for you to love. In fact, some of the secular studies even showed that sometimes even a pet helps with that fulfillment, right? That you get to pour into taking care of a pet. Now, I have an old dog that I don't get a lot of joy out of. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> don't send me any emails. I was just joking. I love that old dog, too. And, and there is some fulfillment in taking care of a pet and loving a pet. But it, they said, ideally, of course, it's a person, a person to love. Someone to love gives life meaning. The second thing it says is something to do. You need something to do for your life to be meaningful. We start thinking about, well, no, when I retire, I just won't have to do anything. I'll just whatever, you know, I can sleep in if I want. Now, that sounds good, and it is good for about two weeks for most people. And then people start going crazy. Why? Because your life has meaning when you have something to do, something to get up and do every day. And the third thing is this, something to hope for look forward to something that's still out there yet that keeps you excited that you anticipate is coming in your life something to hope for now amazingly or not amazingly if you know God all three of these things are fulfilled in following Christ whether we're in a new normal or the old normal or whatever the situation is if we follow Christ as he teaches us we end up with doing all three of these things. And that's what gives our life real meaning as Christ followers. 
So in this passage, uh, Paul begins in verse 12, revealing three steps toward maturity, all right? To growing up, to fulfill and have a meaningful life the way God wants us to. Three steps we need to take. Let's pick up with verse 12. Here's what he says. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are, what's that word? Mature, okay? If you're really growing up to be a mature Christ follower, he says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. In other words, if you haven't grasped this yet, if you keep maturing, you'll learn these things. You'll grow up to understand these things that I'm talking about here. Now, when Paul is under house arrest here, most scholars who've studied his life believe he's probably in his 60s at this point. Now, you remember lifespan for them at that time was not as long as it is for us now. So he, he's toward the last quarter of his life uh, when he's writing this, but he still gives us some great insight into his joy and his uh, excitement and his anticipation of all that God still has for him in his life. So let's look at three things that he says or steps toward being these mature people that God wants us to be. The first step is to forget past failures and successes. Forget past failures and successes. He says, uh, one thing I do, right? Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind means bad stuff. Did Paul have some bad stuff in his past? Absolutely. In fact, he's revealed already to us in this letter, and he talks more about it here, how he was a persecutor of the church. He had had innocent people put in prison, and even some of them executed just for becoming Christians. That's what Paul had done. He had that on his record. He had that in his history. Now, what we can do and what Paul could have done is let that destroy his life. The regret, the guilt, the sorrow for those past bad things in our lives, they can destroy us. They can rob us of any peace or joy or contentment. Well, what Paul says he had to do to have a meaningful life is learn to leave the past in the past. That's one of the most difficult things for us. Not, not only the past bad stuff he had done, but had other people done bad things to him? Yeah, so what did he have to do with that? Leave it in the past. You can't have a meaningful life if you let those things consume your thoughts and your emotions. That's why God's Word teaches us to forgive others the way we want to be forgiven. Do you want God to forgive you of your past? Absolutely. He promises he will. So that takes care of the bad stuff we've done, right? But he wants us to forgive others the way we want God to forgive us of our past too. And if we can learn to let go of that, it's one of the most freeing things in the world. It's one of the things that takes weight off of your shoulders. 
And if you haven't done it yet, you don't know what I'm talking about. And you can't know what I'm talking about until you actually take this step to put the past in the past and leave it there. But Paul did something else. He's already talked about his accomplishments and achievements from his past. And guess what he said he did with those things? He leaves those in the past too. It doesn't mean he's not proud of them. It doesn't mean they're not great to have on your record. Sure, that's, those are good things. Paul had earlier in this letter listed all of the things he could have bragged about in his own life. But he went on to say, but now I consider those things garbage compared to where I'm at now in Christ. Where I am now in Christ, what Christ has done for me, wearing the name of Christ, representing him in the world, that's the greatest achievement in my life. So I'm not going to dwell on those past successes I want to live out my calling in Christ today. I'm going to be busy with what Christ has called me to today. One of the greatest hindrances to church doing the work of the church. When I say the church, who am I talking about? All of us who belong to Christ, right? We're the church. One of the biggest hindrances to the church is the past. The bad stuff that's happened that we keep holding on to. And the good stuff that's happened that we keep resting on as if, okay, look at all we've done. Now we can sit back and relax. I've put in my time. I, I worked with the kids or I, I served in this area or that area. And we, we did great things and it was a really good program. And we, we brought a lot of people to Jesus. Isn't that great? All that past stuff. And we just stop there. Living in the past. And we start saying things like, well, that's not how we used to do it, right? We've never done it that way before. It was, I really enjoyed this back like we used to do it. That, that's how I liked it, right? And it worked back then. And we live back there. Instead of acknowledging the fact that this is a whole new world and a whole new culture we're trying to reach, and it's going to require whole new methods and efforts and activities to get it done. If you stay in the past, you can't have the fulfillment of doing what God wants you to do today. Whether it's good things or bad things in the past, you got to let go of them in order to move forward. So forget, forget past values. First Timothy 1, Paul talked to Timothy this way in verse 13. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. So Paul says, yeah, I got plenty of stuff in my past that, that, that could hold me down, but I understand I have received mercy from God and I don't have to live there anymore. I don't have to live in the past. You've probably seen this statement maybe on social media. The next time Satan reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. <laughs> Hell's created for the devil and his angels. That's what it was created for. You can remind him of that. So forget past failures and successes. Secondly, accept present imperfections. Imperfections in two areas. One is our imperfect character. We're still in the flesh, right? Listen to what Paul says about his character. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. That phrase, I've not already obtained all of this, there's a Greek word that's used there as teleos, and it means complete. Paul is saying, I'm not complete yet. I'm not completely there yet. So in other words, as long as I'm here on this earth in the flesh, I'm still going to be a flawed person. And I have to accept that. 
Now, it doesn't mean you just choose to let sin reign in your life. He goes on to warn against that. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying you have to quit beating yourself up because you're not perfect. I had to quit beating myself up because I'm not perfect. Uh, that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need grace. That's why God sent Jesus here and offers us his forgiveness. It's because we're not perfect. So we have to learn to accept our present imperfections. You've probably heard this statement before. It's been around a long, long time. Be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet, right? Well, you need to do that for others too. You need that for yourself, and we need to do that for others. God isn't finished with any of us yet until we go on from this world and leave this flesh and the, and the problems of the flesh. As long as we're here in the flesh, we're going to have those imperfections. So there's imperfect character. We're in the flesh. We're, we're, we're prone to sin. But there's also imperfect circumstances. And the reason I bring that up is, as some people say, I'll start helping at the church when? And we've got all these qualifiers. When the kids get older, when uh, I'm not as busy at work, when, when you know, we, we've got all these, this list of uh, things. Uh, when, when I am more comfortable in public uh, speaking, when I, you know, we have all these qualifiers. Uh, and when, then I will do these things that I know God is calling me to do when all these other circumstances get worked out, right? When I retire, right? When, when whatever it is you want to put there in that blank. We have to understand there will never be perfect circumstances to do the perfect work and will of God. He's called us to do that in very imperfect circumstances. If you're waiting for everything to be just right before you start serving and honoring God the way he wants you to, I'll get baptized when I get my act together. I love that excuse, right? When I get my life in order, then I'll get baptized and join the church and get involved. Well, good luck with that one, right? Because you know what you're never going to do? You're never going to get your act together on your own. It's impossible for you to do that. God wants to take you just like you are right now and start working on you and transforming you by his will and his power. You can't do that. And if you wait till you do that to become part of the church, you'll never become part of the work of God. So we have to accept our imperfect character and imperfect circumstances and still be willing to move forward into what God is calling us to. The third thing is this. We need to learn to pursue future objectives. Remember that daily sense of purpose that gives life meaning? Well, we need that as Christ followers. And Paul says that's what he wants for all of us. Listen to his words again. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And everybody that's mature is going to be doing that. So he's in his 60s and what is he still doing? Pressing on toward the goal of all that God wants him to be doing. He's in a new normal. He's restricted. He's under house arrest. And what is he still living for? Pressing on toward the goal of that high calling he has in Christ. He's still looking forward and pressing forward and straining forward in his life. And that never stops for a Christ follower, no matter what age you are. Never stops if we're going to honor God with our lives. Those three things are really important for us to have meaningful life. There was a, 
uh, a lady who had turned 105. She has been a faithful member of her church and they were interviewing her and they asked her, what are the advantages of living that long to be 105? She said, well, there's not much peer pressure anymore. <laughs> Nobody around right anymore. Uh, it's like another lady around that age said, uh, uh, what do you think about most or worry about most at your age? She says, I'm afraid all my friends are going to think I didn't make it to heaven. They're already there and I'm not there yet, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. We need to keep pressing forward. And there's advantages to growing up and maturing, not get, just getting older, but maturing in your walk with Christ. There's great advantages to that. So I want to close with three goals to keep before you as a Christ follower that Paul talks about here. Three goals. He begins in verse 16. Only let us live up to what we've already attained, joined together and following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, we will, uh, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. All right, so three goals. The first one, personal growth. Remember, you can't help growing older, but you can remain immature forever. You don't want to let that happen in your life. Paul talks about personal growth. Listen to what he says. Let us live up to what we've already attained. Personal goal. Don't go backwards. Uh, years ago, I think it was Chuck Swindoll that wrote this book, uh, Three Steps Forward, Two Steps Back. Uh, it was a good book. And the idea was, even if you have some struggles or some setbacks, make sure you're still going the right direction in your life. Make sure you're still progressing down the right path in your life. And, and so Paul is saying, let's make sure, all right, if you've come to know Christ and you're following Jesus, make sure you don't go backwards now. Back to that old stuff, back to the old sin, back to the old way of living, back to the immaturity that you used to have. Make sure you're progressing in your walk with Christ the way you need to. Don't be lazy in your walk with Christ. Keep investing in moving forward and growing up and getting more mature as a Christ follower. Don't expect the church to do that for you. You have to take responsibility for that yourself, that you're growing up the way you need to grow up. So the first thing is personal growth, right? That's a goal all, all of us ought to have. Five years from now, if Lord delays his coming, and he might not, but if he does, are we going to be further ahead and more mature as Christ followers than we are now? Now, if we are going to reach that goal, it means we've got to be disciplined in our growth. It means we've got to do those things consistently that help us grow up and mature, like prayer and Bible study and fellowshipping with other Christians, all those things, serving uh, others, all of those things that grow us up as Christ followers, have to be spiritual disciplines that we incorporate in our lives on a regular basis. That's the only way you grow up. And here's what you need to understand. Nobody stays where they are. Not for very long. Here's what happens. You're either growing 
or you're reverting back to the old things. You don't just stay where you are. Nobody does. But growth requires effort. It's easy to stop and go with the current. If you just go with the flow, it'll take you back into the old life. It takes effort to fight against the current and go forward against the current. And so the first goal is personal growth. The second goal he talks about is expanded influence. Remember verse 17? Join together and following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Some people, I think, exist just as a warning to others, right? Uh, they're just always doing the wrong thing, messing up, getting in trouble, you know, hurting other people. They just serve as a life warning to everybody else. This could happen to you. That's not what God wants for Christ followers. He wants you to serve as an example. Now, the only way to be a good example to others is to grow up and stop being babies in Christ. You have to mature to be a good example to others. And so that process is needed. So personal growth leads to expanded influence. The Apostle Paul at this point in his life can honestly say, you can look at me and I can say, I want you to follow my example. Can you say that to those coming behind you right now? If not, then we've got to start taking the steps to grow up and be the mature followers of Christ so that we can say to them, follow my example. Here's something Sue Ann and I were talking about earlier. At any age, there are people watching you from very young people like those in our youth program and children's programming. You already have others watching you. And the more you can learn and mature and you start doing the right things, guess what? You start having expanded influence. And the longer you do that and make those right choices, your influence gets greater and greater, stronger and more effective the longer you're following the walk that God wants you to follow, going down the path that God wants you to go down. So personal growth is a goal. And that leads to expanded influence. Now, as you grow up, you can, you can impact the world more and more the way God wants you to. The third thing is, remember something to look forward to? The eternal reward. <laughs> if we could keep our eyes fixed on that. He says, listen, I've told you before, some people keep living like enemies of the cross of Christ. What do they have to look forward to? Destruction. I don't want that for you. I don't want that to be what you have to look forward to. That's not God's will for anybody. That's not what God wants for anybody. He's not willing, the scripture says, for anybody to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He wants you to turn around and go the right way because then you've got something really to look forward to. Not only are you growing up, not only are you maturing, not only is your influence expanding on this earth in your lifetime, but now there is eternity to look forward to. The impact your life has had, not just for here and now, but forever. And the blessings of all that God has waiting for you in eternity. Friends, that's what makes life meaningful and worthwhile. And that's why in this letter to the Philippians, Paul is calling us all to grow up and mature in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that in Christ... We have an example to follow. We have the clear teachings. We have, we have everything we need, the presence of your spirit that, that you give us when we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You provide all that is needed for us to grow up 
into the image of Jesus. Help us to stop making excuses. Help us to not be lazy. Help us to invest our lives in the maturing process that you want us to invest in so that we can impact the world for you and we can experience the eternal rewards you have waiting for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.